Paris is so famous for its must-see museums, massive, important obligations like the Louvre and the Orsay. But with about 200 much smaller museums scattered all around the city, you're missing out on some beautiful attractions if you limit yourself to the big, famous sites. Emma Jacobs has enjoyed the city's lesser-known gems, and she specializes in how each of them offers something different. They cover a range of quirky and historical topics, topics like the art of the fairgrounds, or um, carousel horses, or counterfeiting, or the history of medicine. And Emma Jacobs has written a book called The Littler Museums of Paris to take us into these specialty museums. Emma, thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm always happy to talk museums. Yeah, well, me too, and especially in Paris, because you can, Paris is the cultural capital of Europe. You can go there all your life, and many people just, they seem to go back and back and back to the Louvre and the Orsay and stand in those long lines, and those are great museums, of course, but they neglect the other 200 museums, and this is a great thing that, that your book has focused on, and I really enjoyed the introduction that explained why Paris has so many museums. Uh, you talked about France is more centralized uh, than a lot of countries, at least historically. So a lot of stuff ended up in the uh, in the capital city. It did, yes. And a, a lot was scooped up from the provinces, like the very famous uh, unicorn tapestries that are in the medieval Musée Cluny. They, you know, were hanging in a chateau and, and then someone wanted them for a national collection and they came to Paris. And then with the revolution, of course, a lot of these royal collections and treasures that were owned by people who probably had their heads chopped off ended up public. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Louvre was the palace, and uh, you cut off the head of the king and queen, and you, uh, you inherit the greatest collection of art in Europe, and you don't have a king to fill the palace anymore. What do you do? You, you hang the art in the palace, and you open up to the public, and voila, you got the Louvre. Uh, yes, and, and, you know, Napoleon also uh, created what was called the Musée Napoleon in the Louvre and um, brought art that he captured from all over Europe. And then you just, Paris is a rich city, so there's there's just so many collectors and socialites. And it, it seemed there was a, a culture of competition almost to show off what you got in your in your fancy home. Yeah, it was like if you, just feel sometimes like if you couldn't make art, what you did was arranged a beautiful house as your legacy full of art and antiques. Uh, yeah, my, one of my favorites is the Musée Jacques-Marc André. Yes, that's a beautiful one. And she, Nelly Jacques-Marc-André, who... Her husband was involved, too, but she outlived him by a very long time, and it's really her vision behind the museum. She is a really fascinating character. But they just had a lot of money and no kids, and they decided to dedicate it all to collecting all these fancy things, and then they and now it's part of the, the heritage of France, and, and we get to all enjoy it. Yeah, and left very specific instructions. You know, yeah. leave it as I arranged it. This is my, my masterwork. That is great. So in your book, The Littler Museums of Paris, you, you focus on the small, quirky museums that come with a little extra experience in a lot of cases. Tell us just one favorite little museum that has a, a particularly fun twist. The Museum of Hunting and Nature, um, Chasse Nature, it doesn't necessarily you know, sounds super appealing off the bat. It does have kind of the taxidermy and the old antique rifles you'd expect, but it has just been recreated as this very whimsical space where there's modern art integrated with the rest of the collection. And it's it's just, it's an absolutely unique space. There's just nothing else like it, but it's also very Parisian. What does very Parisian mean? It's just got this this atmosphere and sort of attention to the presentation and... Does it have a nice oh, cafe? Gosh. <laughs> 
It does not have a cafe. Because <laughs> a lot but... of museums have these charming little cafes, and I always think in Paris that's just such a nice, a nice touch. It, it is, yes, absolutely. Now, we're talking 200 museums, and a lot of people go, oh, no, another 20 bucks or another 10 bucks. But uh, you can get that Paris Museum Pass, and if you are just a, a real avid museum goer, you can get a, what, a five-day-long, complete, unlimited entry to all the sites. And, and if, you, if you sightsee in a busy way, the cool thing is you just pop into whatever. Victor Hugo's house, pop in. Edith Piaf's museum, pop in. You know, the Museum of Music, just pop in. And uh, you just flash your pass, and, and you're there. Yeah, there's a mix of different organizations running these museums. The 14 city-owned museums Mm -hmm. are all free unless there's a a temporary exhibition going on. Um, In general, these little museums tend to be a lot cheaper than American museums, but also than the larger museums. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Emma Jacobson. She's taking us on an alternative route through Paris right now, and her book is The Littler Museums of Paris. And... uh, our phone number is 877-333-7425. You can email us at radio at ricksteves.com. And uh, Caroline's calling from San Diego about some thoughts on museums in Paris. Caroline, thanks for your call. I just really adore the small museums of Paris and always plan to work in a couple, too, if I'm lucky enough to get back to Paris. So what are your favorites? You know, one that I saw in her book is called The Museum of the 30s. Uh, it's stuff from the 1930s, art, appliances, and you would never really, you know, see it called out separately like this in other places. It's a really fabulous, beautiful collection that the mm. city of Paris has put in a separate museum. I, I don't honestly remember the history. I think that might be in Emma's book. Maybe she mm-hmm. can elaborate on that. I, I love the way Emma said some of these museums are so Parisian, and when you go to a little museum like that, I, I imagine... You feel like an insider. There's not going to be the mobs of tour groups and so on that, that fill the Orsay Gallery or the Louvre, and it's just you and a little intimate slice of uh, Parisian culture. Absolutely. So many of these museums are under-visited, and it's just beautiful. You don't often have to wait in lines. You don't have to get your tickets in advance. Uh, it, and they're also just beautiful, elegant collections. And you say, what makes a Parisian? It's like they're they're put together with a sense of style. And even the older museums, which have these historic collections, like she was mentioning, this Museum of, of Nature and the Chase, um, they've added, they always add something new, something modern. I was, I was in the Money Museum uh, last year, uh, Museum de Condé, I think it's called, and they had this incredible modern art installation with tapestries and sculpture and who would have known? In addition, you can learn about the history of minting <laughs> and building and how they do metal medallions still to this day. They do honorary medallions, and they have artists there that you have little windows into their workshops for the modern things that they're doing. So there's a real combination of the history and the new, I find, in Paris. And, you know, I think that's probably because the museums are dedicated not to tourists from the United States or China, but to local people that just uh, want to go out and they, they, they change it up so there's something new and fresh. Emma, have you, have you found that in the museums, especially the smaller museums, that they, they have uh, changing exhibits to kind of to keep people coming back? Yeah, I think they, they do want to get people in the doors when you have so much competition from so many museums and such a rich cultural landscape. You do need to offer something new and get people to come to this museum that's always been there and maybe they've thought about going, but but this is why I go now. There's a whole different dimension of culture, and it's that lively, modern, ever-changing design for the locals. And it, it gives you uh, 
sort of an inside track to, to being a, a temporary Parisian while you're visiting. There's yeah, through the absolutely. back door, eh, Rick? That's through the back door. You got it, <laughs> Caroline. Hey, Caroline, what's another favorite museum of yours, a small museum in Paris? Oh, you know, this is a very offbeat one. I don't even think I saw it in the book. It's called the Albert Kahn Museum, and it's a combination museum and gardens. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mr. Kahn was a banker, I believe, but he commissioned someone, one of the first uh, color cameras, I think it was either Land or Eastman, a very uh, young man with a camera to go out, I think it was like around the 1890s perhaps, and they had a process for doing color photography, which is brand new, and it didn't win the technology. But he has this fabulous collection of photographs of color from an era that you not only do seldom see photographs, much less color photographs. So if you're interested in that history, it's displayed there, but it also comes along with his garden, because it was also his mansion, his haute particulaire, if you will. And while they have a modern museum aspect to it, they have the traditional gardens where he imported or rebuilt uh, little installations from uh, exhibition that he'd been to in Asia. So there's a real mix of things, but it's also maintained with, in a beautiful French garden style with these little interesting additions uh, of history there. And uh, I like, Carolyn, that you mentioned it was in the, in the mansion of a, of a wealthy you know, connoisseur of something, and uh, you see the the word hotel, or, or I don't know the French pronunciation, but Emma, you've described in your book what that actually means, because for a tourist, they think a hotel is a place where people sleep, but it really is a, a local mansion, right? Can you explain when we see that word, what we're really talking about? Yeah, so a hotel particulier is a sort of urban version of the chateau in the country. That's mm. sort of how it translates to Paris, and it evolves over the years. Um, you got to imagine when Paris was a, a lot smaller, that you could build something bigger. Um, and as land gets more and more expensive, you know, you may not have as big a, a garden courtyard. And tastes evolve, but you tend to do have the sort of entryway in the front and then the, the body of the house and the garden behind. It's an added dimension of, any, of so many small museums is it's in a beautiful house, uh, one of these chateaus uh, in the big city. And uh, it's just another reason to check out these small hotel, uh, small museums. Caroline, thanks for your call. Thank you, Rick. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Emma Jacobs, and her book is The Littler Museums of Paris, an illustrated guide to the city's hidden gems. And Wes is on the line from Covington in Kentucky. Wes, thanks for your call. Rick, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um, my wife and I are planning a, a trip to Paris. Um, we are off-season travelers, and we're taking our six-year-old with us, and this will be our first time in Paris, and it will be his first trip to, to Europe that he's aware of. He, we previously took him to Italy, but he was about 16 months old, so he doesn't remember that. Hmm. We have plans to go to, the, and I'm going to, to butcher the pronunciation, so I apologize, the Jardin d'Aclamation or something uh, Oh, de climatation. Uh, yeah. So, Wes, you're going with a six-year-old. Correct. Emma, what are a couple of museums that come to mind uh, for you if you were taking a six-year-old around for the museums of Paris? Uh, so, yes, there are a lot. And I think what's nice about them is, is a lot of them offer something for kids and adults. There is the paleontology gallery, which is laid out, you know, much as it would have been 100 years ago, 
So it's, it's really fun to walk around in, in kind of a quirky layout. But so paleontology, what, what are you going to Skeletons, prehistoric animals, or, or what? Or what do you call that? Yeah, it, it, well, it's filled with fossils, but also skeletons of all different types of species with their, you know, original labels that were written 100 years ago. It's, I think it's really fun for adults as well as for kids. Also, there's museums that come with a little extra twist, like the Museum of Magic in your book, you mentioned it starts out with a magic performance. And of course, there's no language barrier when you're taking kids to see magic tricks. Yeah, for sure. And the other one that kids can do activities and go on rides actually is the Museum of Fairground Arts, which has a couple of carousels and some very old fairground games that you can play. And those antique carousels are just a delight. They really are, yeah. So that might be something to keep in mind. The Museum of Fairground Arts Is this a museum where you've got to have a reservation to go to it? Yes, it's a tour. They don't let Mm -hmm. you loose. Sometimes if there's, uh, in small museums, they're likely to have everything in French, but they have a little folder at the door when you pay for your ticket that gives you an English translation of all the exhibits, and that is really worth asking for. And I think they do English language tours during the summer, possibly not in the off-season, but during the summer. Hey, Wes, have a good time with your six-year-old. That's great that you're going together. All right, thanks very much. Take care. Emma Jacobs is showing us an intimate side of Paris that most visitors will never get a chance to see right now on Travel with Rick Steves. Scattered across the city are about 200 smaller museums and curiosity galleries, often run by artists and eccentric collectors. Emma includes images from her reporter's sketchbook in her book, The Littler Museums of Paris. They're also online at emmajacobsillustrations.com. And Joshua's calling in from Evanston, Illinois. Joshua, what have you been uh, thinking about in the way of small museums in Paris? Uh, Well, actually, I just got back from Paris about two weeks ago. And uh, on a Sunday afternoon, I decided to take, I actually took a little trip outside of Paris, about 14 miles or so, to uh, visit the Villa Savoy, the uh, uh, kind of masterpiece of Le Corbusier in uh, Poisset. And uh, it's a pretty fantastic little museum. And there's also an architectural walk there in the town as well. You kind of walk through an abbey to get to the house itself. So it's a really fantastic way to spend the afternoon. And it was the first Sunday of the month, so uh, it was free as well. So I guess on the first Sundays of the month, the museums there are free. So Was it particularly of, crowded because of that, or was it a museum that doesn't have a crowd concern? Uh, it didn't really, it wasn't that crowded, no. There were a few people there, I think mostly, you know, architecture buffs. But no, there there was no line or anything to get in. Uh, so it was, it was actually quite comfortable walking around. Uh, I think there were audio guides as well, but I, I just had, uh, they handed a little pamphlet with some background information on the house, and uh, and it's just kind of a self-guided tour of the house and the grounds. That's great. Hey, Emma, if you're interested in modern architecture, um, you know, people have Le Corbusier in mind when they go to France, but what are some ways that you enjoy checking out modern architecture in Paris? So the Museum of the 1930s, which was mentioned earlier, that is in a suburb called Bilancourt, mm-hmm. and that was sort of a place for a lot of experimentation of architects during his period. They were sort of free to make these houses in these new neighborhoods the way they wanted to make them. Mm-hmm. And there's some models, architectural models there, and, and some ways to learn about that period. Le Corbusier's own home, which was actually an apartment in a building he built, is also a museum. Hmm. 
Well, that's good to know. Joshua, thanks for your call. No problem. Thank you. Take care. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Emma Jacobs, and her book is The Littler Museums of Paris, talking about the 200 museums that people overlook when they go to the Louvre and the Orsay and nothing else. Emma, when you think about the museums, the small museums of Paris, I love the the ones that have a little bit of hands-on or a little bit of uh, experience along with seeing the exhibits. Let's talk just for a sec about those. The Museum of Music, for instance, it comes with concerts on the original historic instruments, doesn't it? Yeah, a combination of the original instruments and sometimes replicas, because uh-huh. um, sometimes the replicas can sound better than those very old yeah, instruments. Sure. But there's a performance almost every day in one of the galleries, some some type of instrument. And I, I love a museum that lets you capture, it's like a, a sneak snapshot of a great creative person's world. And uh, I'm thinking of the uh, muse- museum at Montmartre, uh, you know, the hill with the um, Sacré-Cœur Church and all the uh, artists in the streets and so on. You know, there's there's a lot of artists that worked on Montmartre, and they had their houses built to let a lot of light in and so on. You can picture this classic Parisian artist there, you know, enjoying the light, and he's got his palette and his easel, and it's just, I feel like I'm I'm a voyeur into, into history and culture. Yeah, absolutely. Emma, let's just finish with, as you did your research for your book, which museum did you write up that you thought this is going to make people so happy that they have my book and they wouldn't know about it otherwise? Um, I think the Phono Museum is fantastic, and that may be because I'm an audio person, but it is a little private collection that was turned into a museum near Pigalle, and it's a museum of the history of sound recording and has just this wild collection of of these giant old music boxes and gramophones and phonographs mm. in, in all sorts of colors and shapes, and they will play them for you, mm. which, you know, would not really be best practice in a more formal museum setting. I but you love can watch that. them play, you know, yeah. wax cylinders and, and things you just would never get to see anywhere else. Emma Jacobs, thanks so much for the work you've done putting this book together and sharing with us uh, the Littler Museums of Paris. Thank you. It's been great to talk with you. Each year, Rick Steves Tour Guides take thousands of free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through Europe, one small group at a time. This year, you can choose from more than 40 different vacations in Europe's best destinations, from Ireland to Greece and practically everywhere in between. Begin your next trip at ricksteves.com.